Well, hey, welcome to Chi Alpha tonight. It is good to have you guys here. Thanks, Joe. I'm glad you're excited. Joe's excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. I know Aaron's excited to be here. My name is Steve. My wife's name is Aaron. We have the privilege of directing Chi Alpha, and we want to say welcome. Thank you for coming. If this is your first time here, we want you to feel part of the family, and, uh, and we're so glad that you came to spend your Thursday night with us. Regardless of where your background is from uh, and uh, what maybe your experience is with any type of Christianity has been, we want you to know that, that you are, are welcome here. We are glad that you came. So with that being said, we're going to jump into tonight's message, but uh, I want you guys to participate a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and tell them what your biggest fear is. What is your biggest fear? Niall just said Steve, so <laughs> I'm going to preach right next to him. All right, anybody want to get vulnerable with me? I want to shout out their biggest fear. Jake, what's your biggest fear? Yeah. Oh, an engine failure over water. All right. Uh, like, does that mean like you're driving your truck over in through a puddle? Oh, on an airplane. Okay, okay, good, good, good. Just what I needed to clarify. That's much scarier than your engine stopping over a large puddle. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> that would have been an irrational fear. You just converted to a very rational fear. So good. Uh, what else? Anybody have irrational fears in here? Irrational fears? What do, what do you got, Gracie? Fa falling down and up. As Oh, yeah, they're just perpetual. Yep. There is, like, yeah, there is a stop button on those things, and there are usually people walking by. Uh, so just to, just to, you know, let, let that minister to you tonight, okay? Uh, what do you got, Anna? Oh. Okay, if you didn't hear her, she said old men eating yogurt. Is there, okay, so is there like an actual phobia for this? Have you ever looked that up? You should Google that. I bet you there is. It just creeps her. Wow, that's. That is blatant ageism, my friend, and I don't know how I feel about that, all right? And anyways, all right, well, hey, we all have fears, right? Mine, I have an irrational fear. I have an irrational fear of feet. I don't like feet. Uh, they gross me out. Uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know where I developed my irrational fear of feet. Oh, actually, I do know where it was. My, uh, do you, do you guys, I wasn't going to tell this story. But I'm going to have to go for it now, all right? I actually, I don't know. This just like, this just dawned on me. Maybe this is a therapy session for Steve all of a sudden. My my dad, I would always tell him, he had this like toe fungus on one toenail. And it was so gross. Like it was so gross. And I would like be like, dad, that is a gross toe. And he would pin me down and stick his gross toe in my face. And and I think that's where I developed my irrational fear of feet, all right? Now, my dad is a wonderful human, all right? He loves Jesus. He's great. We got a great relationship, all right? You don't need to, like, worry about that. Uh, he says hello, by the way. It was his birthday uh, this last weekend. But here's what I want, here's what I want to, to, to get at tonight is I am convinced that we are far more fearful uh, than we should be of many things in our lives. And... Sometimes that's actually rooted in the fact that we are far less fearful of certain things in our lives. And I know that sounds like Yoda wisdom, uh, but in Proverbs 23, the Bible talks about this very specific fear 
that unlocks and unleashes an incredible amount of blessings in our lives, and it's the fear of the Lord. So Proverbs 23, 17 says, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. So what is he talking about? What is the author of Proverbs talking about, the fear of the Lord? Because you're probably here, and you're like, well, maybe you've read your Bible, and you've read this statement, fear of the Lord, and you're like, that's kind of weird, right? Like, I didn't think that we were supposed to be afraid of God. In fact, uh, I remember coming to Chi Alpha, and Steve, you said that you don't have to be afraid of God because God is a good God. And I agree with you 100% that our God is a good God. So what does the Bible mean when it talks about the fear of God? God. Well, you see, there's a difference between a spirit of fear and the fear of the Lord. In the Old Testament, so that means that the time before Jesus in the first part of your Bible, it was written in a language called Hebrew. And that language of Hebrew had several, it was a much more complicated language than English. Our English language is kind of dumbed down uh, and is becoming more and more dumbed down. You know, uh, <laughs> Instead of saying, you betcha, we just say, bet, you know? It's like, well, was, like, wh where are we going, you know? Where are we going with this? Anyways, so the Hebrew language was a much richer, much fuller language, and, uh, and it had several different words for the word fear. One of those words was a word, this isn't necessarily important, but it was uh, a ma, which meant dread, fear, horror, or terror. This is what you would feel if you had a terrible nightmare, right? Or if a bear was stalking you in the woods. I don't know. I don't know why I went there. All right? That, that is not the type of fear that is associated with the fear of the Lord. There's another type of fear. That type of fear is uh, uh, karada or pachad, which means to be fearful, anxious, concerned, or careful. Now, that one does correlate with God in the Bible, but usually it is used when referring to the enemies of God. That they were fearful, anxious, careful around this God that had like, uh, they'd watched do like miraculous things in these battles and different things like that. But that's not the type of fear that we're talking about when we talk about the fear of the Lord being in our lives. The fear of the Lord being in our lives is from a Hebrew word called yirah, which means to be in awe of so, in the sight of something awesome. Actually, to, be, to have terror in the sight of something awesome or to look at something with the deepest respect or reverence. So if we were to read that Proverbs 23, 17 differently, it would read like this. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous to look at the Lord with the deepest respect and reverence. But you see, a lot of times we might sing a song about uh, the awesomeness of God, right? And that word awesome also gets watered down in our English language as well. Why? Because we sing about this awesome God that we serve. And then I walk up to, to Sai here and I say, I, your kicks are awesome, right? We're like, well, yeah, like we, we, we kind of like watered down the word awesome. Man, that cake was awesome. Oh, by the way, my God is awesome. It's like, well, okay, wait a minute. So God and cake are the same? Wait a minute, right? 
that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No way, right? Our God is much more awesome than anything that we can be on earth, but we've used that word for a lot of different things, right? Awe means to have an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, to uh, produced by that which is grand, sublime, extremely powerful, or the like. So why am I passionate about this thing? Why, why are we talking about this tonight? Well, you see, when we look at God with awe and reverence, when we have a high view of who the God of the universe is, there's a lot of different things that start to take place in our lives. In fact, throughout the word, 44 times there are blessings associated with fearing the Lord. For example, he who fears the Lord fulfills, that God will fulfill the desires of their heart. That, that God delights in those who fear him. That he will make himself made known to those who fear him. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. We're going to break down some of these promises tonight. And I want to point out the fact that everybody who accomplished anything in the Bible usually had it credited to them as somebody who feared God. Somebody who had a reverent awe of God. Who handled their relationship with God fearfully. So what do I mean by this? I'm, I, I was deathly afraid of the ocean. Anybody else afraid of the ocean? Yeah? Okay, like five of us. Great. Okay, well, support group afterwards, okay? I was deathly, and I was, I was, more, I was more under like the ama fear, the dread, fear, horror, and terror. So what I decided to do is I decided to buy a boat because I hate being afraid of things. And so I decided to buy a boat, and I took it out on the ocean, and my first time ever out on the ocean, I brought my friend Quentin, who also just raised his hand that he's a deathly afraid of the ocean. I didn't tell him about my deathly free fear of the ocean. I just took it out on the ocean. Now, I then, during that time, it didn't, I have learned while operating my boat, I have learned that, that the ocean isn't as scary as I thought it was, but it is still something to hold a fear of. And the minute you stop being afraid of the ocean is the minute the ocean kills you. All right? You see what I'm saying? Okay. So what I, the point I'm trying to make is this, is that God wants us to have relationship with him. But he wants us to handle it in such a way as though we were handling something holy and something awesome and something to be cared for above all else. Something that is worthwhile of our carefulest attention, that is worthwhile of our the best that we have to offer. And when we adopt that, blessing overflows into our lives. Okay, so in the Old Testament, I was I was on that, and then I got sidetracked. We look at Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Job. If you read about any of those guys, they will all, it all says directly in Scripture that they feared God. The Proverbs 31 woman, right? If you read Proverbs 31, there's a great description of, of what it means to be a godly woman, right? And one of the character traits of a godly woman is being a person who fears the Lord, who holds their relationship with God as something to be revered and in awe. Is this making sense to you? Yes? 
Seven of you. Great. Okay. So, as we look throughout Scripture, we can also fast forward. You might say, well, Steve, those are all Old Testament examples. We are in the New Testament. We're in the New Covenant now. I don't know about the fear of the Lord today. Did you know that in the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles, which is the early church, we read that in, in that, in that uh, uh, chapter, in that book, they, the people who followed Jesus were only called Christians twice. Now, we call ourselves Christians, right? But they, only called, they were only called Christians two times, and both times that word was used by somebody who wasn't a Christian. When Christians in the Bible-believing church of the book of Acts referred to somebody else who was also a Jesus follower, you know how they referred to them? As a God-fearer. As somebody who respected and admired and held their walk with the Lord with reverence and in awe. And in fact, eight times they said that about themselves in the book of Acts. So tonight, I want to ask ourselves four questions as to be able to determine if the fear of God is truly present in our lives. Again, not a fear that says, I got to run away, but a fear that says, I'm going to hold you in the highest regard possible. And the first question is this. Do we grasp who it is that we are in a relationship with? Psalms 25 Verse 14 says, The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. In other words, right, the Lord wants to be in relationship, but relationship requires us to hold God with reverency and awe. You see, a lot of times we we kind of, we, and I, I want you to assess, where do you fall on this spectrum, Right? On this side, God is just kind of this buddy-buddy dude who's like another contact in our phone, right? Who we can call if we get in trouble, but, but isn't, really like, isn't really like part of my life every single day. He's just like, yeah, and I, I'll, I'll pray once in a while, and I'll do that. But, like, but God's kind of this contact in my phone, this emergency contact in my phone. And then on this side of the spectrum, you might be over here where you think that God is somehow this like big, bad, angry dude who's ready to just strike you down with a lightning bolt the next time you mess up. The reality is, is that our God is big and he is just. And the reality is, is that our God does want to help us in our time of need, but he's not bad. And our God doesn't just want to help us in our time of need. He wants to walk with us in our everyday lives. And somewhere in the middle is an understanding of the fact that God is someone to be revered. And God is also somebody who wants relationship with me. And when we find a balance in that, we start to value our relationships with God appropriately. Our interactions with Him start to change. The way we pray changes. If God is really big and He is awesome and He is mighty and there is nothing my God cannot do, as we sing, right? If we really do believe that, it should change the way we pray. If our God is truly the most magnificent being to have ever existed in our universe, it should change the way we worship. How big was the God that you were singing to just a few minutes ago? 
Was he a God that could actually do the miraculous and be a, a wonder-working God? Or was he a God that was like, yeah, yeah, maybe he could do that. Oh, yeah, he, he could do that in Joe's life, but I don't know if he could do it in mine. One of the things I appreciate about my friend Niall is that every single time I watch this man pray, his posture changes. He gets on his knees and he, st- and he kneels before the Lord. Why? Because Niall fears God and because Niall fears God, his prayer life changes. It changes the way he postures his heart before the Lord. My friend, our posture, our heart's posture before the Lord changes when we have a reverent awe of God. The second question is this. Do we have confidence that he can direct us? Do we have confidence that he can direct us? If we don't believe that God truly sees all, is in all, that he's the God of yesterday, today, and forever, that he's gone before us and prepared good works in advance for us to do, that he is not bound by time or space, then we're probably going to walk through life pretty anxiously. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I preached a message on handling anxiety. And if you notice, all of the points of my message all had to do with making sure that God was the rightful size in our lives. And that we were seeing him from the actual perspective of just how awesome and big he is. In Psalms 25, verse 12, it says, Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. How many of you need to make a decision in the upcoming future? Raise your hand. Okay. (laughs) Like, yes, Steve. I struggle with what I'm going to eat tomorrow, all right? Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. Stay away from the Reese's Puffs. I don't know. Anyways, uh, that was a word for somebody in here. Okay, that was a word. All right. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I think sometimes we go through life and we walk through life anxiously. Why? Because the God that we serve in our perspective is not the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's just like the God of whatever circumstance is freaking me out right now in this one moment. Versus, no, no, he's, he's already gone pre- before you and he's prepared good works in advance for you to do. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. And even if tomorrow holds catastrophe, even if tomorrow holds hurt, even if tomorrow holds a struggle, if even if tomorrow holds bad news, my God is good and he is there in that bad news, with you in that bad news, helping you endure that bad news. All of a sudden, those things that, we, that we're anxious about start to... They don't necessarily go away, but our perspective of them starts to change. I've told this story. I don't remember if I told this story this year yet, but I'm going to tell it again because I like this story. All right? So uh, Aaron and I were uh, praying about moving to Alaska, and Aaron was, I mean, I don't remember. This was before, I think Aaron was still like 22 years old at this time. All right? She's just a whippersnapper. All right? And uh, we had been married for all of, like, whatever it was, about five months up to this point. 
and uh, we were going to move to Alaska, and we were really nervous about it. I had a, I had a job. I was like newly married. I'm this husband, and I'm like supposed to be this like big, big tough guy, right? And I'm supposed to provide for my wife, and and like it was like, don't worry, you're with me, right? And uh, and I had a job lined up in Alaska, but the job was only good for one year. And then after that, I wasn't sure if I was going to be employed anymore. And I was like, hey, Aaron, you want to move to Alaska with me? I, I got a plan for the next, like, 11 months, right? And I was nervous. Aaron was nervous. We were scared. We were anxious, right? But I remember uh, we were praying about whether or not we should move. And that night, there was a young lady by the name of Elise. And Elise walked up to me. And we were at a prayer meeting, and she said, hey, Stephen, Aaron, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, yeah. She said, I, I feel like the Lord laid something on my heart that I want to tell you. I said, okay, yeah, bring it on. And she said, I, I, I was praying for you guys, and the Lord showed me like this mental picture of you. And in that mental picture, I saw both of you, and you were about to step out onto a ladder. And the first rung of the ladder was there, but the second rung wasn't there. And you're really nervous to step out onto the ladder because you're not sure whether or not the next step's going to be there. And the Lord wants you to know that he's gone before you and he's prepared the second rung of the ladder for you. And even though you can't see it now, even though you won't be able to see it, he wants you to know that it's there and you don't need to worry. And I remember, like, standing there. I was like, does that, does that make sense? It's like, uh, no. <laughs> I'm, like, crying, right? And I, wa- I walk over, and I, I sit down next to Aaron in the pew, and I, I, I haven't even made eye contact with her. I go, and I kind of, like, look over. I'm like, so what would you think of that? And she, <laughs> she looks at me, and she goes, I'm ready to move now. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're going. You know, what's funny is fast forward 10 months, that job came to an end. It wasn't available another year, and I should have been an anxious mess. But I thought back to that word, and I thought back to the promises of God that said, no, no, I've gone before you, and I have prepared a way for you. I am bigger than your circumstances, and I'm bigger than, I, 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 I wasn't sitting up there and be like, oh, didn't see this coming, right? No, 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 I knew this was coming, and I've already taken care of this. The third question is, do we trust what could happen if God's hand is truly upon us? Do we trust what could happen if God's hand is truly upon us? You see, as a follower of Christ, we are promised that God's hand is upon us. In fact, the Bible says that he has set his Holy Spirit upon us as a seal of ownership on us, guaranteeing what is to come. That the same power that raised Christ from the grave that we celebrate this weekend and Resurrection Sunday and Easter Sunday, that same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in every single one of us. Do we handle that with awe and reverence? Are we kind of like, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Are we like, wait a minute, are you kidding me? That's inside of me? That's insane. Have you ever actually just thought about that and dwelled on that for just a second? Psalms 34, 9 says, Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. 
I believe this, that bold faith starts from a place of the fear of the Lord. Okay, I'm going to borrow a couple people. Joe, why don't you come up here? And Caitlin, where are you at? Caitlin, where are you at? Uh, thanks, Caitlin. Wow. Can we, can we give Caitlin a round of applause? Yeah, good. And I guess Joe. Joe, too. All right. Okay, so I'm going to stand up here, and we're going to do a trust fall exercise for just a second, all right? So I'm going to fall into your arms, Joe. All right, are you ready for this? Okay. We haven't practiced this. We probably should have practiced this. All right, so I'm just going to fall backwards, and I'm going to fall into your arms. So are you going to actually catch me? Okay, I'm actually going to, okay, I'm actually going to do this. Oh, wow, that was very fast. All right, all right. So now I'm going to do the same thing to Caitlin, only Caitlin take a step back. Okay? All right. No cheating. All right. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Here we go. One, two, three. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not actually going to do that. All right? All right. The point I'm trying to make is who would you have more trust in to catch you? Now, Kaylin is my friend, and I warned her. I said, can I make fun of you for being small today? And she said it was okay, all right? All right, so you can go sit down. All right, the point I'm trying to make is this, is that when we recognize that our God is really, really big, it allows us to be able to have confidence to take risks, to step out and be bold, to lean back and lean into what he has promised us to do. And we say, no, 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 I know that this sounds pretty stupid. To fall off backwards off of a stage sounds ridiculous, right? But I trusted that Joe's biceps were going to be sufficient for me. My friends, there are going to be things in your life that God calls you to do that seem ridiculous and seem crazy. And when you go back to Scripture and the promises of God, you say, no, 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 no. It says right here that even greater things than these you will do because I am going to be with the Father. And I'm going to, I know that what you're calling me to do doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make logical sense. But I'm going to fall into your spiritual biceps, God, believing that this is going to be okay. All right? So do I trust what could happen if God's hand is truly upon me? Or do I just kind of uh, dip my toe in that water? And then finally, number four, is are we bothered by the fact that our sin saddens this great God? Are we bothered by the fact that our sin saddens this great God? True fear of the Lord will bring about righteousness. See, Proverbs 16, 6 says, through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. That's good news, amen? That's what we celebrate tomorrow on Good Friday. But through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. Psalms 1, 12, happy the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commands. My question here tonight is, why are, we, why are we trying to avoid sin in our lives? Is it because we just want to be more holy and more like our Christian friends and, and more polished for those around us? Well, Proverbs also talks about that in Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You know, often in my Christian walk, 
I find myself avoiding sin because of a desire for Steve to look good or for a desire for Steve's ministry to be more effective or for a desire to have more ministry potential, greater blessings, etc., etc. Who am I fearing when I fear those things? I'm fearing other people and I'm fearing my own identity and my own value and my own worth. But you see, when my desire to do good is rooted in the fact that I serve a God that is worthy of my sacrifice, is worthy of my service, is worthy of my best, and not only that, but his plans, because they're good, that through my obedience, he wants to bestow upon me a life that is full of blessing and full of goodness. You see, all of those things that I talked about, ministry effectiveness, blessings, potential, all that stuff is a byproduct of a, a fearful walking with Jesus. It comes as a result of the fact that I say, God, you are worth it. I trust you, and I trust that you know best. And I recognize that my sin saddens you. Why? Not because he's up there and being like, oh, you make me sad. No, our sin saddens God because he knows what life with him in fullness and abundance looks like. And it's so good and so awesome and so glorious. But when he looks at us and he says, oh, my child, you are missing out on something that I made for you that is so great. And when I look at God and I trust that, man, you are so awesome and you are, your ways are beyond my ways, your thoughts are beyond my thoughts. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, then I tr and I, you are so good. Then this relationship starts to flow the way it's supposed to flow. A lot of times I think we, we hide from God in our shame and our sin because we forget that God is big enough to see us, even in our hiding. <laughs> you see, our shame is a result of us not fearing God. See, if we actually fear God, if we looked at him with reverence and awe, and he was big and mighty and in all places at all times, there would be no place we could go that could hide from him. And if that is truly believed, then all of a sudden something starts to click in my brain. Wait a minute, God. You mean to tell me that you actually know everything about my life? That literally nothing is hidden from your eyes? And you still love me? You see, when we start to slip into shame, what we're really doing is it's the devil convincing us that somehow we can keep parts away from God. And God says, no, 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 my child, <laughs> why are you hiding? I, I, I see you. Hello, I see you. I see that part of your heart, and I want you to know that you're loved even in the midst of that sin, even in the midst of that brokenness. I still love you. You are fully known and fully loved. And when we fear God, we start to, because of all of this, when we truly fear God, we hold him in reverence and awe, we start to hate the sin in our lives. And my friends, I, here's, here's what I want. I want you to hear if you don't hear anything else. My prayer for you tonight is that as God becomes big and he says, listen, I know that that's there and I still love you, that you would start to realize that, man, God, if you really are that good and you really are that big, then I'm, I, I hate the fact that there is something that's 
that's keeping me from the fullness of my God-given destiny. I hate whatever that is in my life. I want to get rid of it. I want it out of me. I want it away from me. And I'm willing to do anything. You see, I think a lot of times what happens is, is because we don't hold God in a reverent awe, we kind of become okay with just a little bit of sin in our lives. We're kind of like, oh, what? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm struggling with that, but that's okay. I just, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to take care of that. I'm going to eventually get around to it. And when God becomes this awesome being, we start to get radical. We roll up our sleeves and we say, whatever it takes, I'm getting rid of this struggle. And that's where I want us to be. That's where I want to be as an individual. And the worship team can come back up. I want to close with a, a story about little little Steve. When I was little, my mom and dad taught me a prayer. And they would have me pray this prayer every single night. It was a recited prayer. I had to memorize it. And they made me pray, pray this prayer every single night. And what it did to little like little seven-year-old Steve was it instilled in little seven-year-old Steve a fear of God, a reverent awe of who God was. And it was actually really healthy for a seven-year-old to have a moral compass and a guide and somebody who was, you know, it was a great parenting strategy by my parents. I can tell you that much. And this is how the prayer went. I want you to close your eyes and just listen to this prayer. I still remember it. It was a long time ago. We'll just say that. It went like this. He said, my God, I am sorry for my sins with all of my heart. In choosing to do wrong and in failing to do good, I have sinned against you whom I should love above all things. I firmly intend with your help to repent, to turn away from my sin, that means, to sin no more, and to avoid whatever leads me to sin. I'm going to say it one more time a little quicker. My God, I'm sorry for my sins with all my heart. In choosing to do wrong and in failing to do good, I have sinned against you. Whom I should love above all things. I firmly intend with your help to repent from my sin, to sin no more, and to avoid whatever leads me to sin. And then it closed like this. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, suffered and died for us. In his name, my God, have mercy. You see, it recognized that, God, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. My God, I'm sorry for my sin, and I'm sorry for my sin with all my heart. I know that you see every single part of my heart. And I'm recognizing that in choosing to do wrong and in failing to do good, I've sinned against you. And I should love you above all else. I should love you above more than any one of my desires. So what I'm going to decide to do now, God, is that I'm going to firmly intend. Does that mean I'm going to be perfect? No, there's no promise to be like, from now on, I'm going to be perfect, God. No, I firmly intend with your help to sin no more. How? Well, there's only one way. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, who suffered and died for us. In his name, my God, have mercy. Jesus Christ, you made it, you made the throne room available to me. I wouldn't have even been able to be talking to God right now if it wasn't for the atoning work of Jesus Christ. I wouldn't be able to have authority to say these things if it wasn't for the atoning work of Jesus Christ. 
But do you see how praying that prayer, focusing on that every single day of our lives, making God bigger, and all of a sudden it, it, it makes our sin more distasteful in our lives. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to reflect on these four questions as we close. Do we grasp who it is that we're in relationship with? Do we have confidence that he can direct us? Do we trust what could happen if God's hand is truly upon us? Are we bothered by the fact that our sin saddens God? I want you to take a moment. We're going to spend the next two minutes in what we call reflection time. And then we're going to have response time after that. So just for a few minutes, I want us to sit quietly as the band plays, reflecting on these four questions. And maybe just picking one of them out that you just want to spend time talking to God about. One of those I guarantee is like, yeah, that's the area. God, I need to, I need to have reverent awe of you more in that area of my life. And just spend time talking to him about that. And I believe that there's going to be some things that he's going to lay on your heart and guide you into. And then I'll be up to guide us into our response time here in just a couple minutes. Here's what we're going to do is we're going to go into a time of response. And I'm going to have the worship team just lead us in uh, some, some worship songs. If you need prayer for any one of these areas, uh, the prayer team is going to be available in the back. Don't be embarrassed to pray. Uh, we want to we wanna be praying with you. If you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you'd like to have one, or maybe you had one in the past and it has totally uh, gone to the wayside. Tonight, you'd like to rededicate your life to Christ. If that's you tonight, I would love to chat with you afterwards and let you know uh, about what that means and also uh, answer any questions you might have and just pray with you and lead you in a prayer to do that tonight. So come find me or find Aaron, and we would love to chat with you about that. If you need prayer for anything in the area of trusting God, in the area of having confidence for direction, just in your relationship with him or 
or in a sin struggle that you have, whatever it might be, please come back and receive prayer tonight. Let's pray. Lord, would you be with us as we respond in these next few moments? Would you speak to us, guide us, direct us, and show us what you might want to do in our hearts? And would we be responsive to act? In Jesus' name, amen.